Yeah, this is going to be interesting because this is our first live Schmanners, and this is where our... Thank you. Thank you. This is where our intro joke goes, and then we do the sound cue, and then we do the show. But we just played the sound cue. So we're still going to do the intro joke, and then we're going to pause awkwardly for half a second and start the show. Hey, Teresa, what's that delicious smell? Well, I have a bun in the oven. It's Schmanners! Internet. I am your husband host, Travis McElroy. And I'm your wife host, Teresa McElroy. And you're listening to Schmanners. It's extraordinary etiquette. For ordinary occasions. Oh, we practiced that so hard backstage. <laughs> I knew I was going to blow it first. Welcome. I, we're I live. knew you were going to get it. I knew it. I did it. I nailed you it. You did great. Um, welcome. We are live at the Lincoln Theater here in Washington, D.C. for our first ever live Schmanners. I know. It's magic. It's a magical evening. Uh, first, let me get a little stuff out of the way. I want to say a big thank you. Usually we save our thank yous to the end of the show. But I want to say a big thank you to Sam, uh, the sound tech guy here who saved my butt. Uh, I forgot a very important cable. Um, you all would be able to hear this show, but no one listening on the internet would be able to hear this show right now if it weren't for Sam. So a big thank you to Sam. Let's start off by saying Teresa is pregnant. And I don't know if you guys saw, but Griffin and Rachel just announced on Twitter that they are also pregnant. And it's important that you all know that, or else us doing an episode about pregnancy would be weird. Well, thank you, thank you very much. I am 16 weeks on thir- uh, Thursday, so yesterday. Yeah, they do a weird count. We got yelled at because we tried weeks. to say 16 weeks halfway through 15 weeks, and someone's like, "No, no, no." Well, so they they count it at the end, so you yeah. have to be you're done with 16. It's weeks It's like an Xbox Thursday. achievement. You have to do it before right. you can say you did it. Exactly, Travis. Yeah, it's exactly it's exactly like an Xbox achievement. I've been reading a book called "Dude, You're Gonna Be a Dad." Um. Where a lot of information is conveyed either through sports metaphor or video game metaphor or, for some reason, stocks. Um, <laughs> and so I'm, I'm thinking about fatherhood, more like dudehood. So, Oh, boy. I know. So it, and I, we were thinking about it because uh, since we've been pregnant, um, you know, reading books, talking to people, just other people talking to us on, on the interwebs, it's a minefield for both sides. You know, like what's the right way to respond to a thing? What's the right way to ask about the thing? I mean, when we said we were doing this episode, we probably got 30 or 40 different iterations of please tell people not to ask if someone's pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> like, don't do that. And I thought about it, and unless you're also comfortable walking up to someone and going, just have a big lunch, you shouldn't, <laughs> shouldn't ask if someone's pregnant. You also just shouldn't walk up and touch someone's stomach unless you do that to everyone. You're probably fired by you, that point. You probably shouldn't do that to no. everyone. You should stop that. So before we get into like the modern day version of it, let's talk a little bit about the history. Right. Well, Travis, did you know that women have always been having babies? What? <laughs> From, like, the beginning of time. Wait, like, hold on. Hold on. Wait. I know. How did they... It's mind-boggling. How did they do that before, like, we knew all this stuff and, dude, you're going to be a dad books were written? 
you know, uh, they just fell out. Do you? Wait, what? I have a fundamental misunderstanding of how the actual birth happens. Can you just like be walking down the street and boom, baby? Wait, it does take slightly more than that. Okay. Um, but in ancient times, the preferred method was standing childbirth. Um, where often people were placed on small stacks of uh, rocks or bricks, one on each... Yeah, I know. What? You would, you would stand on that. They also had to balance? Well, there were other people to help. You didn't usually do it by yourself, but like you would stand on these stacks of rocks or bricks, and then somebody would kind of like catch it. Sometimes they put down, like, leaves and, like, How, how far back are we? Hold on, hold on, hold I, on. I how said, far back are we? I said ancient times. Okay. Before they knew better. <laughs> well, it was about, like, that until probably the 16th century. 16th century people, you knew better. Well, I mean, at that point, they really started doing um, the whole, like, midwife stuff, okay. right? So instead they of just... They graduated from low wife. <laughs> Oh, boy, this is going to be a long show. I'm practicing my dad jokes. Okay, do you guys want to hear the dad joke I came up with? Uh, Okay, so we were in the airport. Um, How do you guys feel about motorized stairs? No, you know what? I'll ask you later. Thank you. Thank you very much. He has now told that joke a total of eight times. I'm very proud of that joke. So, in the, in the 16th century is when they were like, okay, not just anybody can like be there to catch your baby. They should probably have some experience. <laughs> <laughs> and, Listen, and, a lot of trial and error here, but... And, uh, and that's when midwifery started to really become popular. Mm-hmm. Um, and but- if you didn't catch the baby, that was called a whiff. <laughs> okay, I'm done. I'm done now. Thank you. Okay. Um, so, but there are really two sides to the midwife uh, history. Uh, the first one being that uh, midwives were, were skilled in, in the, the Department of Labor. And some... <laughs> first part, right? And um, some of them were so highly respected in their villages that they were often licensed through local bishops, right? So it was kind of like the church was like, this is a good one. Okay, so this is a time at which, like, the midwife was kind of similar to, like, what I think of as, like, a medicine man. Like, they weren't just there for the baby. They were kind of, like, very venerated. No, they were pretty much just there for the baby. They were just there for delivery. Oh, so you weren't, like, going to them for, like, other advice and, like... They're, I mean... It wasn't a lot know. of other stuff. It was like, well, I haven't read her notes. I guess you're pregnant now, so hope it g- goes great. <laughs> there wasn't a lot of stuff. Okay. Um, as, as we all know from Sawbones, the baby stays on the inside mm-hmm. until it's born. So <laughs> there's not a lot that you can see from the outside. Got it. Uh, except I for knew the bone. that much. Right. Okay. So uh, with the baby on the inside, and it, it was just kind of hard to tell. Some people, like the, the midwives would be there, and I, I suppose at some point 
before labor started, you could talk to a midwife, but they weren't going to do much for you until labor. They just say, like, don't eat sushi. No, I don't think that they even did that. They let them eat sushi? You know, the age of the internet has really really made us very cautious about the things especially that we eat. But we're going to talk about all that. Okay, what about a little bit later on? Okay, so what happens in the 17th century is doctors arrive and they're like, we should probably be doing this instead of those midwives. And the results were mixed. (laughs) Um, Because midwives have been doing it for so long. And they were very specialized. And they were very specialized, exactly. Midwives have been, had been doing it for so long that they, you know, were experienced and they had done several births and the doctors were kind of like, oh, we know how to do this better. I've never done it before, but it can't be that hard. And at that time, like, to be a doctor, you just need someone else to say you're a doctor, right? There, there weren't schools, but most doctors had apprenticeships. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Someone least, else is like, you did great. They could at least read. Okay. Well, that top notch. Well, midwives probably couldn't read. They doctors could, could read. Oh. Right. Hopefully. I know lots of smart people who can't read. I don't. <laughs> um, so then, once the doctors got into it, uh, it, it, it was kind of like... The, the midwives were almost kind of banished to the background, and a lot of that wealth of knowledge was forgotten, mm-hmm. and doctors tried to make everything better. They were like, we can do this better. So um, in, let's see, here's some good ones. In the 1800s, they started using chloroform to assist in labor. <laughs> Queen Victoria swore by it. She had like eight kids. <laughs> yeah. How many of them did she chloroform? (laughs) No, no, no. You don't chloroform the kids. Oh, okay. The mom gets the chloroform, so she's pretty much, like, knocked out. What the... Oh, hold on. Once again, very little I know about pregnancy. She has to do some stuff during the baby coming out process, right? I mean, a little bit, but eventually I think it just comes out, I guess. Then you get chloroform halfway through. You're like, I'm out. (laughs) Take me out of here, doc. See you on the other side, baby. So, um, I mean, she said, she encouraged her, uh, everyone to do it. She was like, this is the best thing ever. Um, and everyone and, did what Queen Victoria did. That's I mean, why we have that era. I mean, it was highly in vogue. Yeah. Um, so, for the birth of Prince Leopold in 1853, that's, she was totally knocked out and she loved it. <laughs> um, the thing that I want to talk about at, at this point in history is the idea of confinement now, during I've heard about pregnancy. This. You told me a little bit about this, which is basically that, correct, please correct me if I'm wrong, Okay. that when someone was pregnant, they were basically, as soon as like they revealed they were pregnant, they were basically shut away in their house until the baby was born and then they could reenter society. Well, um, yes and no. All right. So, if a little you, hit and miss, fifty fifty, I'll take it. If you were rich, uh huh, yes. Okay. If you were poor, you pretty much had to keep working until the day the baby was born. So you were not. I mean, your livelihood depended upon it. Okay. Um. So you were probably not put into confinement. Um. But there's a really great story about Anne Boleyn. I've heard of her. Yep. Mm-hmm. I'm familiar. And um, she actually was sequestered in her bedchamber for five, the last five months of her pregnancy. It sounds hey, awful. Hey, you all whistle, but like, 
she's getting waited on. She wasn't just like locked in there. Well, I would like to stay in bed for five months. I mean, once, once, not all the time. She wasn't allowed to leave, and uh, it was a, a it was a highly contested pregnancy. Her being Henry's second wife and all, um, and they even went to the trouble to plug up nooks and crannies with handkerchiefs so that the air of her. No. <laughs> The room, Travis. Ah, got it. So they plugged up nooks and crannies of the room with handkerchiefs to keep the air stilted inside. So that to, um, I mean, the I suppose the idea was to keep her from evil spirits uh-huh. or whatever. But I think they just really wanted to keep really close tabs on her. And um, they had a fire lit the entire time. It was stuffy and hot and sweaty and gross in there. Um, That doesn't sound ideal for a pregnant lady. Really isn't, but it actually happened a lot for for royal people. And this is what allowed, you were telling me this before, this is what allowed for people who maybe like a daughter out of wedlock would get pregnant and like the mom would claim it was hers, and the way that that happened is because it wasn't uncommon for people to be confined away for the entirety of their pregnancy. Right, especially, like I said, rich people. And, yeah. I mean, going back just a second to Anne Boleyn, uh, one of the reasons they did that is they wanted to make sure she wasn't going to switch babies. So they Oh, to get a dude. Yeah. To get a dude baby. So they wanted to make sure this was an actual royal baby, not some rando baby that she... You don't want a rando baby. ...switched in there. I don't know much about pregnancy. But so you don't want a rando. Right. So what you were talking about, uh, the idea of children out of wedlock, um, and, and I know that we, we see it in movies where, you know, uh, she's not your sister, she's your mother, and I'm your grandmother type thing. Um, Twist. <laughs> because if you were rich, you were able to kind of just disappear for a little while. And that wasn't weird. And it wasn't, too, yeah. it wasn't that weird. You know, you go and visit your family upstate or whatever. And you come back with a baby, and no one was there to see it, so whoever they say is the mom is the mom, I guess. Cool. So what about more of, like, the modern day? Well, so into into the 20th century, um, it largely stayed the same as far as, like, doctor-assisted childbirth. The doctors did get better, though. Yes. Okay. Eventually, they did. Okay. You know, with the uh, discovery of germ theory, things got a lot better. Mm-hmm. That's a sawbones thing, so you guys will have to listen to the backlog for that. Um, but so, in 1905, the first maternity line was launched by Sears. Really? What do you think that people did for, like, wearing baby clo- uh, maternity clothes before then? Probably just like sacks. <laughs> just, just sacks. They weren't going out. I suppose that's true. You know, they Did weren't they going anywhere. Impress. Yeah. Um, well, so they pretty much just wore, well, sacks. I mean, the, I yeah! guess they just kind of wore sacks. Got it in one. They called them smocks. Oh, okay. So you could kind of wear your dress. Some of them buttoned up the front. Okay. Right. You kind of wear your dress unbuttoned halfway down as, as far as you could button it up and then leave it down and then put kind of a big smock over top, like a poncho. Got it. Yeah. But it's not a bad look. No, it's a pretty bad look. Okay. <laughs> um, I don't know. But you had to make it. It wasn't commercially available. 
So uh, in 1905, Sears launched it. And one of the very interesting things I found about this is in any of their advertisements, they were not allowed to print images of pregnant women. So you would see maternity wear on non-pregnant women. It's not a good way to demo that. I, I don't think that it gives the full effect. No. No, it really doesn't. Um, but it, maternity style maintained kind of the, 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 the same way that everybody else kind of dressed, but you just got it a little bigger and tenter, and you got that smock kind of on. There weren't, there weren't special dresses, or there, weren't, there were special corsets you mm-hmm. could wear. Um, some of which were a little more restrictive, some of which were a little more supportive. So now, it's not that much different from like a belly band uh, today. Well, well, it was not one person standing there going, we shouldn't smush the baby. <laughs> like, people really weren't worried about that. What? When the dog jumps in your lap, I freak out. Are you kidding me? They weren't worried about it. Um, and like I said, some of them were supportive. But some of them were kind of restrictive. You know, whalebone and all that stuff goes in there, so mm. whatever. Um, but up until... <laughs> I didn't mean that. I didn't mean whatever. Whalebone, whatever. If whatever what, you can find. If that's what you like. Yeah, go for it. Um, so I'd like, to, I'd like to skip ahead because pretty much if it was in fashion and you could wear it without looking pregnant, you could just wear it. You know, flapper dresses in the 20s, and in the 30s, the wrap dress was invented, and that was really great because you could kind of expand the wrap around the middle. Um, In the 40s, basically the same as the 30s because of the wars. Mm -hmm. Um, But then in in the 1950s, something very special happened. Do you know what that is? I think my dad was born. Uh, Lucille Ball was shown pregnant on television. She was the very first woman to appear pregnant on television. Let's hear it for Lucille Ball. And she's here tonight. (laughs) So it happened in 1952. Uh, In in 1952, um, she appeared on television pregnant, um, but... Her and Desi still had separate beds in the show. So people had to put two and two together. Hold on. And they weren't allowed to say the word pregnant. They were allowed to say the word expecting. Expecting what do you say? (laughs) Um, So, I mean, there were definitely restrictions. Okay. uh, But she did sport some some highly fashionable pregnancy clothing. Uh, There's some really great pictures of her in the smock that I described earlier, she would has like kind of a pencil type skirt on and a very large voluminous top with a, with like giant bows at the neck. Oh, I've seen that outfit. I, I, I know what you're talking about. Right. And that was all to distract the eye up, up to Lucy's face, away from Lucy's belly. And now people just like hold potted plants and like bags in front of their stomach on TV. <laughs> Well, the first person to really uh, put that in the spotlight, the holding the bag in front, was Grace Kelly. She was photographed pregnant with a large Hermes bag in front of her, right? And that really made the craze start for these Hermes bags, these big, beautiful Grace Kelly Hermes bags. And she was just trying to hide her baby bump from the paparazzis. Really? Yeah. Well, no one does that now. Oh, of course not. They do. They do. That was the joke. Right. 
they do. Um, and so we do start to see advances in advertisements, especially after Lucy appears on TV pregnant. Um, you begin to be able to show pregnant ladies in the advertisements, which I think is very important for actually selling maternity clothes. Yeah. Um, and the, the fashions of the 60s and 70s were actually really great for pregnant ladies. That was the baby doll dress that started with the big empire waist. And, um, you know, free love and all that brought out all the hippie fashions, which mm-hmm. were quite flowy. And all the hippie babies. Yes. A little later than that. So, okay. I mean, it takes nine months, so. Oh, is that how that works? <laughs> um, so then, let's fast forward through the 80s, which is, I'm, I'm not a fan of all that. <laughs> Wait, of the 80s? To the styles. Okay. The styles of the 80s. The only style of the 80s I remember is my white shorts and my sweet Garfield as a surfer t-shirt. <laughs> and I want to tell you, I would wear that now. It wouldn't fit, but... Good for you. Thanks, honey. I'm bold. What can I say? I'm a trendsetter. So then, um, in 1991, a very pregnant Demi Moore was featured on the cover of Vanity Fair. And she is considered as uh, opening up sort of the the pregnant belly... uh, What about Stigma. Whereas before, it was kind of to hide your belly and cover it up, and then after she posed on the cover, that's when they were like, well, maybe we should make things kind of like form-fitting and be sexy, like Demi, while she's nine months pregnant. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's when we really started to get the fashion that we know of today. Gotcha. Where it's a little more form-fitting and the ruching, and you don't know any of that stuff. I do, too. I took costume history in theater school. (laughs) I know how to sew. Okay. Um, Not well. <laughs> but the, the, the last thing I want to talk about as far as like the history goes is the idea of the bump watch. Mm-hmm. And I feel like just every tabloid and every celebrity is like, hmm, is it a food baby or a real baby? Well, <laughs> this just happened. Courtney Stoddard, I think is her name was photographed with, like, a pregnancy test and, like, making a big deal when she was four weeks pregnant. That's not a thing. Like, and I just mean, uh, we know this. The doctor won't even, like, officially confirm it to, like, six or eight weeks. So it was weird that, like, that was, like, a big cover story, trending news story. Right. And so now uh, celebrities have really taken their... uh, their bump watches into their own hands with their Instagram accounts. Yeah. Uh, Pink had a really great Instagram announcement. Same thing with Anne Hathaway. A lot of these celebrities are trying to reclaim their baby bumps away from the, the tabloids. So uh, we've got a couple more minutes. So before we wrap up, I'm just going to kind of quick fire hit on some topics okay. that everyone wanted to talk about. So we've already covered you should never ask someone if they're pregnant. I kind of, we were talking about this earlier, and I think the rule of thumb that we kind of came to is like, if you don't know the answer to the question, you shouldn't ask the question. Unless you like 100,000% know the answer, don't ask it. Because like, if they wanted to tell you, they would. And if they're not ready to tell you, you shouldn't make them. And there's always the chance that they're not pregnant and you're a jerk. <laughs> um, but so one of the things people wanted to talk about was like the idea of like people touching a pregnant lady's stomach. Mm-hmm. 
uh, without asking or without being invited to do so. Well, the Today Show did a nice survey, um, and they were talking about how um, most women find that the people who want to ask them questions and touch them are not strangers, but their family. They're mm-hmm. nosy, nosy family. Nosy family's fine. Nosy strangers are bad. Um, one of the things we got asked a lot is about is like um, the announcement. Mm-hmm. When, when is it time, especially in the day and age now of like Instagram and Twitter and Facebook, um, that it seems, uh, since we have done it, I will tell you from the inside out, is a very scary thing because you're taking a very personal thing and suddenly like sharing it with everyone. Um, what's, what's kind of the appropriate way to go about maybe the Facebook announcement? Is there a certain time period you're looking well, at? Well, an announcement in general really wants, I, I want to talk about this in terms of the fear uh-huh. of the announcement. Um, because miscarriage is something that we don't really talk about in our in our society very much, um, but it is very common, especially for first pregnancies. Yes, we had one. We um, did have one. And we were very open about talking about that because it's the kind of thing where it can be very scary when you have one because you feel all alone in it. Um, and that is, I think, where a lot of the fear of the announcement comes because what you hear is, like, you don't want to jinx it. Right, which is not a thing. Yeah, um, that's not how medicine works. And coming up next, Sawbones. Um. <laughs> so I think that, that a lot of people do tend to feel more secure in their pregnancy uh, when they begin their second trimester um, because statistically a lot more miscarriages occur in the first trimester. Um, so that, I would say, is the general trend that mm-hmm. I see. But the thing is, you telling someone isn't going to make your baby disappear there's nothing that you can do to prevent a lot of these miscarriages because they're, you know, it's oftentimes a chromosomal defect mm-hmm. that your body recognizes and takes care of for itself. Um, so this fear, this stigma is something that I think as a society we really need to work on. And the answer to when should you uh, post it on Facebook, when you feel ready. Yes. If you never feel ready, you never have to post it. If you feel ready when you're 10 weeks, then post it. Just it's, like being naked in front of someone else. Sure. That's, that's a good thing. And you, um, it's never the wrong time. So if that's when you want to do it, hey. It's never the wrong time to be naked in front of someone else. Now, as you, as you scale up the number of people you're naked in front of, there is a wrong time. I'm saying is, if you feel ready, just like when you feel ready, as long as it's safe. Uh, man, it applies across the board. Um, you, the la- should, you should be able to announce it whenever you like, and that's the right time, because that's the right time for you. Um, the last thing I wanted to hit on... Um, thank you. Thank you. The last thing I wanted to ask about, because I feel like this is, there's... Uh, it, people do it bad from both directions. And that is people commenting about... Um, the pregnant lady's size compared mm-hmm. to you don't look pregnant or are you sure it's not twins? Right. Right, because, and I think especially the people who are like, you don't look pregnant at all. And it's like, cool, thank Like, there's no good way to f- talk about the size someone is, period. Like, and I think that's true whether it's pregnancy or not. People right. feel comfortable saying like, you're so skinny, you should eat something. It's like, yeah, don't comment on my body, please. Well, Thank you. It's my body. Don't comment on it. 
I'm a hero. Um, but so I think that like how, but it is a very visible change in a person. Is there a way? It to oftentimes bring it up? is most vis- is very visible, but everybody's baby bump is different. Yes. Um, and I think that instead of saying something like "you look you look like you're gonna pop" or something like that, it is always safe to ask them, "How are you feeling?" It's a it uh, it's a very uh, open ended question. They can say what they want to say. Oh my gosh, I can't believe it's still here. I've been waiting forever. I just want to get this baby out. Might be their response. Um, or they but, might say, "I just ate a huge burrito and I feel terrible." <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so if you if you make it a little more personal and a little less exclamatory, oh my god, you got two in there, maybe three. Um, don't do that. Don't do that. Uh, you can ask, how are you feeling? And if they want to tell you, they will tell you. And if they don't, they'll say, I'm fine, thank you, and keep walking. Uh, so I think that's going to do it for us. We're going to wrap up here in a second. Um, thank you. Um, <laughs> thank you, person who's excited. We're done. Um, I am, too. I'm going to go backstage <laughs> and have some pizza. I'm very excited. <laughs> um, we first wanted to say thank you for coming out to the show. You're going to hear this probably at least two more times, if not more. Thank you for coming out. We appreciate you. We wouldn't be doing this show if you guys weren't here. Um, We also want to say thank you again to the Lincoln Theater. You have been wonderful. Um, If you're looking for a place to host your podcast live show, (laughs) might I suggest the Lincoln Theater. Um, Let's see. We're excited for you guys to watch Sawbones, and then I can't wait for you guys to see this little uh, known band called My Brother, My Brother, and Me. (laughs) I hear they're great. Um, Yeah, I want to thank Teresa for being my wife. Aww. This is our first live show, and as far as I know, the first time we have performed on stage together. Um, I think so. Yeah. I mean, we were both actors in another life, but yeah, so not we've together. never been in anything together, so this is very exciting for me. Um, I want to thank my unborn child for allowing me to talk about pregnancy. He's really milking this, you guys. Did I mention we're going to have a baby? It's nothing. It's nothing. Don't worry about it. Um, yeah, so I think that's going to do it for us, and... Join us again next week. No RSVP required. You've been listening to Schmanners. Manner Schmanners. Get it? MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported. Hi, everybody. I'm Justin McElroy. And I'm Dr. Sydney McElroy. Every Tuesday, we bring you Sawbones, a marital tour of misguided medicine, a show about all the dumb, weird, terrible ways that we've tried to fix each other over the years. You know, some light summer listening. Maybe you want to hear about yogurt enemas, or why we tried to eat mummies for a while, or why drinking cholera diarrhea sounded like a good idea. That and so much more is waiting for you every Tuesday right here on the Maximum Fun Network with Sawbones, a marital tour of misguided medicine.